Hi, and welcome to Driving Leadership. I'm David Foster. I'm Mike Metcalf. And I'm Sean Pete. Have you ever wondered about the happiness and fulfillment that comes from being a leader? Most of what we talk about here, and most of what you find out there in terms of leadership guidance, is how to deal with the problems and the challenges of being a leader. This is natural, and it's kind of a fact of life. There are only garages for broken cars, not working ones. And most doctors in Western medicine only treat people with health problems. And while that might be true for many messages in the media, we're going to start to add positive commentary to the mix. So, spoiler alert, the positives of leadership don't come from getting a company car or the right to talk over somebody in a meeting or making their schedule. Undoubtedly, the life benefits of being a leader are real, but we're going to discuss the things that are meaningful. And so, as recent past is prelude, we will start with Mike, and we're entertaining the question, how does a leader find happiness? So, I think a leader finds happiness by focusing on the process and not the outcome. I think so much of the... So much of what we see on the the highlight reels of successful people's lives are these crowning achievements, these moments where they make a big sale, um, come up with some new idea that makes a ton of money. Um, and that's that's a destination. But I think it's the journey that is is what really, truly brings happiness. And so, you know, and and when we do that, we start focusing on the things that we can control. You know, we can't control if our idea is going to be wildly successful or not, but we can control how we show up, how we treat people, um, and those are those are the uh, those are the processes, not not necessarily outcome related. So that's kind of my 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 thesis with that. Uh, the people that I think, and and I'm I'm not just making this up. Like the people that I've surveyed and spent time around, the mentors that I have, they're continuously telling me that. Like just just stay in it one day at a time. Think about the journey, one foot in front of the other staying close to the people around you, not worrying about if we're going to win or lose the game, but did we prepare right? Did we show up with the right game plan? Did we try to execute it? Did we put the best people that we thought we had and the best plan that we had together and go out and try to do that? And then finding success in that and say, hey, we, we did the best we could, and that, that's, we're okay with that. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think any big shot I've taken in leadership has always been like, oh, I can get the company to this outcome. Right. But, but I think you're right. I think if you stay mired down in that, it's going to drive you nuts until you get to the singular point, right? Which is either achieving it or not achieving it. And if, if, if the rest of that is just a dumpster fire the whole way along or a train wreck the whole way along, it's not going to be worth it. Right. So, yeah, I think rejoicing in the everyday stuff, um, you know, making sure laughter is a currency, I think is, is a big part of it. And I think that point, um, I think that's a good point for young leaders. It's not just, hey, I can come in and get you to here or do this or do that. It's, I can get you here, but it's going to take this, this, and this, and, and kind of rejoicing in that along the way. Mike, does that mean that there are good processes, processes and bad? I would say yes to that. Um, we, we talk to our, our tire changers specifically about practicing not until you get it right, but until you can't get it wrong. 
So then that make I think the, there's a quote that says the routine is the reward. Mm. So when if you can fall in love with something that you're going to do and do over and over and over again and be excited about it because you believe in it uh, and there, there's purpose behind that, um, that you believe is going to get you to a good outcome. But in the meantime, you're just kind of delighting in this process that you have bought into, others have bought into, that you're excited about. Um, to me, that's a good process. Um a, a bad process is one that is singularly focused on just, well, we, we have to chase this. You know, if we say we have to make $100 million next year, that target's going to move. The markets are going to change. If you're fixated on we have to be here, you may miss opportunities to innovate. Um, you might pass on people that may not be focused on that but could help you in a different area of your business. And so... Um, it's important to have focus and direction. Um, I just think sometimes the, that we miss just the day-to-day magic of, um, of being a leader. Mike, Mike, when you, you, when you talk about that, right? Like, you know, a lot of leaders come in. Do you think, do you think if you're a leader and you set a goal to come in, do you think you're selling yourself short? Because again, you talk about the process, you have no idea what type of, um, you know, life your process is going to take on. And you might, 5x or 10x or 100x that initial goal. Um, do you think leaders are selling themselves short when they set up a, a goal that far out? No, just because I think it's um, it's kind of like one of those like like uh, gap rules, like generally accepted kind of thing. Like it's just some kind of like what we do. You know, we said. I, I mean, I hate it when you you know meet people and it's like a mixer or something. Like, hey man, so what are your like you know five and ten year goals you know for your career? I'm like that. I man, know who that is. I know who that, that is. <laughs> that's that's what you want to talk about right now. You know, my, where where I'm going to be five and ten years from now, no one knows. You know, we have ideas and 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 we have plans and and again we talk about trajectory. We know the direction that we want to go in generally, but. Um, you know, I, so I don't think it's a bad thing to have goals. I just think it's it would be a miss to not be able to uh, have the space for changing and adapting as we work towards them. I'm just I'm wondering why you're in the doghouse with your wife having to use her work vocabulary in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, she's hey, she, she spent a lot of time and money getting that accounting degree. So I want to give as many shout outs as I can. Yeah, very useful. Very useful. <laughs> so in some ways, you're kind of almost talking about conditions. It's that psychological, call it structure, where somebody says, when I get X, then I will be happy. And everything is about getting that X and almost guaranteed you're not happy. I mean, excluding concentration camps and prisons and, you know, being <laughs> sure. kidnapped, right? right? But of course. the corner office, the big car, the little little something extra in your paycheck every week, like most most people find themselves with the with the same problems, even though they're getting the thing that they thought was gonna make them happy. Yeah, I, I David, I I just to add on to that, I think you hear that from athletes all the time, right? The worst day mm-hmm. is the day after they won the championship. Right? You spend your whole life going after this thing and then you get it and get your hands on it and then you're like, Oh, what next? You know, so I I, I agree. I think you, you set this singular goal and, and hit it or miss it. I know I, I think even if you hit it, um it's 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 far too hollow to support all the things you had to do to get there. 
Yeah, we. Um, I mean, we were, we wrote about a guy who uh, basically wanted to be a, a race car driver, and that didn't work out. And you could see and feel a lot of angst and just discontentment. But this guy was a executive level position with the race team. So, I mean, maybe he wasn't getting able to drive the car, but traveling, being competitive, being around cars, helping orchestrate and put people in places so that the person that was actually driving could win. I'm like, man, you're, you're on paper. The things that you really want are happening. Right. But mm-hmm. if you're so focused on that, you miss this one thing that you really wanted to do. You're going to continue to miss that all the subsequent things that come along with that that are actually happening for you. Um, you know, you'll never really appreciate it. And so, you know, happiness is one of those things that has to be extracted from environments. Right. Like it's not just going to just jump on, onto you and you wake up and oh, man, I'm happy. You know, you have to look for it. And, and it takes some effort to do that. But if you do, you'll find it. So um, there's a lot of things that we all, you know, can honestly say, man, you know, I, I got a lot to be grateful for. The cup's half full. Um, but it's just easy to get lost in. We're not meeting our deadlines. Um, COVID crushed us and all these other narratives that we tell ourselves. But you're not saying that goals or standards or KPIs or anything like that are unimportant. No, no, definitely not saying that. Definitely not saying that. I mean, there definitely are, you know, conditions to winning, right? And and we have to, we have to embrace those <laughs> those structures that are in place for a reason. They're healthy. They give us boundaries. Um, I'm I'm just saying that if that's all you think about and care about, um, you may miss opportunities to actually enjoy what you do along the way. Mike, how would you? I'm a young leader in the car, listening to your sage advice. <laughs> What would you describe as a process? Like we all know policies and flowcharts and that sort of thing, but you say happiness can be found in really dedicating yourself to the process. What exactly are you talking about that a young leader can look at and say, okay, I should, I should spend some time noticing that? Yeah, uh, simplest level would just be uh, a, a slight shift away from what you want to accomplish, but as, as opposed to how you want to accomplish it. And so um, what we want to accomplish is, is our goals and the things that are, that have to happen for us to pay our bills, pay our employees, um, keep our lights on those things, how you want to accomplish it is a little bit different. And that's, you know, with kindness, with humility, with um, collaboration, with um, teamwork, with, you know, humility, like that list goes on and on and on. And if those are the things that are our major drivers that are driving and fueling our what, then I think to me that is a healthy process. That's a different mindset kind of shift Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just focusing on the sheets and, you know, how we can get leaner and, you know, how we can trim the, the, you know, we got a hundred steps now from, um, you know, birth to, you know, baby when it comes to our production line, you know, how do we get it to 99 or 98, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. those are, those are super important. And, you know, and that's a part of innovation and, and cost saving. Um, but how you want to get there, I think is, is where we can maybe prioritize that a little bit more as leaders. Would you say having those, um, you know, you're saying happiness is in the process, right? Is it, 
is it finding happiness in that day-to-day thing? That's what, that's what sustains you to get you to those goals. Is that, would you agree with that? Or yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, I think you, I mean, we, you, so we, we, we already talked about this a little bit from a sports perspective, but I think it was after maybe Brady's second, um, NFL championship. And he was just like, kind of what next it was he was bored it was kind of a letdown but then he's still going you know and so he figured out and tapped into some magic that clearly has some connotations to winning because he's continued to win but I think it's just everyday process and now you look at this his diet and his sleep and his attention to the game and the way he studies and the way he tries to motivate his teammates and the pay cuts that he took so that other players could make money so that he could have the right people around him. To me, that's looking at how I want to win. Mm-hmm. Not just not just showing up each day. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to bench the most, run the most, throw the most passes so that I can be in a position to where I can win. He's looking at everything else around him, and he's finding enjoyment in that. And, and so I think that's just, a, you know, we talk about happiness here today, but enjoyment you know finding enjoyment in what you do every day it, it is really really powerful uh, most people generally speaking I think it's north of 50 percent do not find true enjoyment in the job they do you know mm-hmm. and so we're talking about as it drives leadership how can you really be successful at something and motivate other people to <laughs> to be successful if you don't enjoy what you do right and so all I'm saying is is just challenge yourself to think about from the moment I put my hand on the door or log in or walk through the doors, you know, what are some of the things that actually bring me some sort of sense of fulfillment or purpose and gravitate towards that? Cause that will fuel you far more than meeting a Q3 deadline. Let the record note that the guy from Massachusetts was not the first person to bring Tom Brady into the yeah, conversation. I- I'm not a big Brady fan, but he's just, you know, it's hard not to talk about him. Yeah, they all name their kids after him up there. (laughs) (laughs) That is not untrue. But I really relate to the athletic analogy. And Sean, you're exactly right. When, When you train all year for the one event, even, even if you do well, it's almost like the psychological equivalent of, of getting to the end of a moving sidewalk and you start stomping around and all of a sudden you're like, well, what is next? I really relate to this idea of finding joy in the process of doing what you're doing because in some ways it's the process that makes the end result meaningful. I mean, you see these, you know, crowning moments where people are in tears is because they... <laughs> you know, it's like they didn't know, you know, I think that's the fun part. I got—I didn't know that this was going to work, you know, but man, we showed up, we worked hard, we believed in each other and man, look what we accomplished, you know, that means a whole lot more to, to the person that was just, you know, woke up every day and it was just like championship, championship, championship. That's all I care about. It's all I care about. Trophies, 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 you know, it's just a different mindset. And, um, you know, we're trying to maybe save some people some time. You know, um, some of these crowning achievements that we're all going for aren't going to bring us the fulfillment we want, you know, Um, and we'll look back possibly and maybe have missed opportunities for deeper relationships or, um, you know, other things that could have happened along the way. Yeah, I have a pretty close friend who medaled in the Olympics, and he said to me that 
It was really just the last step in a very, very long march. Mm-hmm. And if he had been able to just go out on the platform and, and lift and win, it probably wouldn't mean anything to him. But because it was the last step in a very long process, it, it meant the world to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep, 100%. Well, I think we can move on <laughs> and ask Sean, where does a leader find happiness? And my answer to that is going to be a leader's going to find happiness uh, where they least expect it. And, and I'll, I'll start this with a story. When, when Mike and I became pit crew coaches, <clears throat> kind of the, the ultimate thing for a pit crew coach is to have a great pit stop and beat another car off pit road, and then you go on to win the race. So it happens late in the race. And um, I always thought, you know, that would be a, you know, a crowning moment in, in, in my rise to be this, this pit coach. And we've had it happen three times now. And I'll never forget the first time it happened. Um, it was pretty hollow, you know. And, and, I, I, and, and the thing is, is we had won, our guys had won um, NASCAR's version of the Walter Payton Award, right, for service in the community. Barium Springs Orphanage, Meals on Wheels, Charlotte Rescue Mission, Ronald McDonald House. Um, and the, winning the race off pit road paled into comparison into, into seeing what these people that we were leading were turning into, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I was so convinced that was going to be the moment for me, and it wasn't, right? It's seeing um, new fathers on our team, right? It's seeing someone step up in a really tough situation and navigate it with brilliance. Um, it was all these things that I never thought would carry as much weight Right and, and and seeing these people grow wings, um, those are the things that make me happy. Those are the things that make me come back every day. And it's not we were accomplishing the goals we were setting, but that wasn't what was lighting me up. What was lighting me up was, you know, I I think like I said, um, the stuff I didn't just didn't plan for. And how did that affect you? That you, I don't know, were almost caught unawares. You. Know, I, you, what's interesting is I think I defaulted to what Mike said. I really started, you know, really enjoying and being intentional about the day-to-day, right? Because there's so much magic every day. You know, I think, you know, I think we all want to get to that big moment, but like your, your Olympic friend, that big moment is years in the making. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, on the way to winning that race off pit road, you know, we had had five new fathers, two new husbands, you know, all this stuff. And and it was all based on you bringing this team together, leading them the right way. And when I see these guys the way they are with their kids and stuff like that, I'm far more proud of that um, in in the small bit of of authorship I have in that than I am any goal that, that, that I, you know, was able to accomplish at the racetrack. It just—it was really interesting because it caught me off guard, and I really noticed it that night. And I was like, "Huh," you know, it was like it's like the first time I won a race, right? You go to Victory Lane, put on sixteen different hats, and then you go pack up your pit box and fly home, and you're at the racetrack the next weekend, right? It's so quick and fleeting, and I just think, um, I think, you know, I, I think there's purpose is the precursor to happiness, mm-hmm. right? And I think. You, you need to have purpose as a leader, and the purpose can't just be this number in Q3. It can't just be 
you know, uh, you know, this many spots gained on pit road, right? It has to be, it has to be bigger than that. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think the purpose part is what really leads to, to happiness and both happiness and contentment in leaders. So unless you've got some sort of confession that you'd like to make publicly, you didn't have a hand in the new fathers or the marriages like that wasn't something that you that that wasn't a goal that you came up with and you know my question really is as a leader sometimes you don't get to pick and choose what is meaningful to you because if somebody comes to you and says you know my my wife is pregnant and i want to ask you you know how do i handle this or and you help them that's not something that you wrote down on your list because you didn't know about it before he said anything, right? Right. And so it's almost like you're highlighting leaders need to be flexible and adaptable and you know, almost like a daily read of the terrain to figure out how they can have a positive effect. And that's what great leadership looks like, David. It's not, you know, roll in cup of coffee, newspaper, the same thing every day. It's, it's not, you know, reading the train. I love that. Um, but how many of us are willing to do that? How many of us are willing to step out of the noise and, and, you know, connect with someone? If someone's coming to you about their pregnant wife or some big life event, you should be humbled by that. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, is on the other side of all this, all those moments are the ones that are going to stay with you. And, and, and like I said, I, I only say that because I was caught off guard by it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's a very real thing. And I think, so what I'm, I'm asking young leaders to do is to not overlook that part. Don't be so, you know, tunnel vision on the goal that you, you don't bear witness to all this magic that's going to happen along the way. I was going to um, share another story from uh, yesterday. <laughs> a very unhappy moment. Um, just, you know... One individual is just not performing, um, and it's it's just lack of focus. There, this individual is very capable, uh, and then we had another group that uh, was supposed to uh, show up for a, a an engagement with basically our top client, and they were forty five minutes late for not a good reason, and to the point where. It was supposed to be their first introduction to the CEO of this organization, and he left. Mm -hmm. So not good, right? Like, this is not good. And so um, not a happy moment for me. Uh, I got those guys together. And it takes a lot. I mean, Sean will tell you. I mean, it takes a lot to get me worked up. I'm pretty, I'm pretty chill. But I was losing my mind yesterday. Just not, just not having a good day. And, uh, and so afterwards, I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't, maybe I was too hard on them. Or should I have like waited a day to where I was calmer? And then I, you know, I kind of remembered, and, and hopefully this connects for somebody. But the last time that I had a moment like that was back in college. And it was a very similar situation, but it was our star DN. And we couldn't win without him. And he was just royally screwing stuff up. And he ended up having an eight-year NFL career after myself and another guy threatened that the next time he decided to show out like that in practice, we were going to beat the you-know-what out of him. So um, 
maybe that the violence isn't the best way to handle these things. But it did bring me happiness to know, like, you know what, I, this these people are at intersections and crossroads in life sometimes. And and sometimes if you if you do the hard thing, the the selfless thing, the the holding them accountable thing. So, uh, honestly, a lot of times to things that they've already signed off on and agreed to do, you just got to hold their feet to the fire. Um, there's a happiness that came from me seeing him go on and do so, so well in his professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was unexpected. You know, it was just in the moment, I thought this kid was screwing up a really good chance to be an incredible athlete. And he actually ended up becoming one. And so um, I don't know if that is like connected or not, but that was what I was thinking. And it's, but it was, it's, it's, uh, you know, those are the, these are the challenging things that we have to, to, to think about. Um, is our job really just to execute X's and O's, or is it to really inspire people to be an incredible version of themselves? And so um, that brings happiness, inspiring people, right? Pushing them to be their best. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, just about the thing that happened yesterday, did you have to raise your voice or did you get your point across just by waving the gun around? Uh, all of the above, David. Okay, all good. <laughs> What you're talking about is really connected to what Sean is saying because it's almost an encouragement for leaders to notice when their attention goes to not executing the X, the X's and O's or the budget or something like that, which, again, you have to do those things. And you have to sharpen your skills with it. You have to be you know, responsible for it. But... At the same time, noticing, like Sean said, that somebody came to you with a big life event, that's time to put that list aside for at least a little bit and listen and also notice and recognize that, hey, maybe I did help this person a little bit. Maybe I'm older, I have more experience, or maybe I've got a perspective that helps. And just just sit with that for, God, even 30 seconds. In a lot of ways, that makes, in my mind, I think that makes a leader's time more meaningful. Yeah. And that's the secret, right? You know, you, you hear all these staggering numbers about depression in, in the ranks of leadership, corporate America. The opposite of depression isn't happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose, mm-hmm. right? And what you're talking about, David, that's, that's, that's filling yourself up with purpose, right? That you are... You know, if you're a servant leader, you're serving these other people and it creates purpose. You have purpose in your life, you have a chance at happiness, right? You have no purpose, you have no happiness. So, no, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think, like I said, you know, we would have got that wrong starting out. All we cared about was we got to get our team to number one. We got to get our team to number one. And, um, you know, I, I, th- I think we're just lucky enough to get quiet enough to understand that, hey, um, the juice here isn't in you know reaching this goal or this goal. It's all this stuff along the way. How do you want your introduction, David? Do you want it? You know, we can do it uh, now on the main stage. Welcome from. <laughs> we, we can just say for the third half of the show, I will say that a leader's fulfillment comes from voluntarily shouldering responsibilities that benefit other people people around him or her. And 
sort of like we've talked around the edges, responsibility gives life meaning. It gives us the ability to survive and thrive in life, which we know can be quite difficult at times. And so happiness comes from taking that responsibility to the people that are around you and and truly helping them. And it's not just any responsibility. Like, we're not talking about micromanaging. You have to BCC me on every single email that you send. Make sure you, you know, come to my office immediately after you hang up. Uh, I would change that font just a little bit. That's not the type of responsibility I'm talking about. I'm talking about the responsibility that actually makes people better off. Like what you were saying, Sean, somebody comes to see you, hey, I'm getting married. I don't know how to handle this with work. I don't, you know, like this is happening. That is not, it's not the correct response to say, I'm not exactly sure how this impacts our gross profit, which unfortunately does happen sometimes. And so help the careers of the people around you. Help by teaching them what you know when it's appropriate. Do what you can to make them successful at what they're doing, both in work and outside of work. And help them figure out, like, what are their next steps as people? Yes, maybe the assistant director moves to director, but what's meaningful for them in that move? What do they want to do? Why? Why is it important? These can be very short conversations, but very, very meaningful to you as a leader, and it gives you a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction. And the more responsibility that you take on, the more meaning you have and the more chance that you have that happiness visits you on a daily basis. And about happiness, I I don't think that's something that you chase. I think it's something that is a secondary effect of doing things that are valuable for other people. Yes, you have to take care of yourself, but especially when you see taking care of yourself as a zero-sum game, there's not a lot of happiness that comes from that. And... When we think about becoming a leader, that means I get a company car, that means I get a corner office, you know, something like that. Well, you can crash the car, or your neighbor can get the exact same car, or the corner office, you can be told one day that the corner office is no longer yours. But if you help your team members, your coworkers, your community grow, decide things, learn how to adapt, and, you know, almost share experiences with them, That can't be taken away. That's making the world a better place. And I realize business leadership podcast, this starts to get a little too close to woo-woo for some people that want to know, I just need to know how to get my shipping time down. That's a tactic or a technique, and it's valid. But when we're talking about personal happiness and leadership, I really think that it starts with voluntarily and intentionally taking on responsibility to help those people around you. You know, my initial thought, Dave, when you were speaking was, you know, I think of, uh, you know, all the coaches that have gone on from underneath Nick Saban to go work at other places or or Mm -hmm. Sean McVay in the NFL, right? Um, You know, and there must be a tremendous amount of, of, of fulfillment, happiness, um, that you you brought someone up to that point where they can you can send them on. Do you think? Do you think though 
that you have to have an abundance mindset to get to that place. Like a lot of leaders, I think, play it close to the vest, right? Where they're like, well, I need to be the leader. I can't make your, you know, your light shine too bright or it might steal some of mine. Does a leader have to be in the right mindset, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I would agree. If a leader sees things, like I said, a zero-sum game, that if I help you figure out this project and you get the credit for it, or if I help you with your your child that's coming and that doesn't help me like with my numbers when I go upstairs to the boss, there, there's not a lot of great things that can happen from that. Like maybe you'll make your numbers, but you haven't done something that's going to be really good. So I think you do have to look at things a certain way. You can call it the abundance mindset. You can call it having your ego in check. You can call it accepting a certain vulnerability when you help somebody. All those things have to be true, I think. And if obviously if you have a bad mindset, you refuse to let yourself help anybody, I just don't see a good end to that. I don't, I don't see somebody becoming happy because they successfully spent 20 years sort of screwing over the people around them and making themselves look good. Well, and I can't imagine keeping a ledger on 20 years of transactional relationships, right? Like there's, there's no way that trends towards happiness. Absolutely no way. The, the thing I liked about it was the word voluntarily. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, like a preemptive, like, uh, you know, like we're going to try to think about this downstream a little bit element to, to voluntarily, you know, it's a proactive word, right? Uh, is, am I right in that? And then uh, also responsibility, uh, elaborate on what that means. Cause responsibility could be, Hey, I spent the last six months negotiating with the board to get you better benefits. Now I haven't talked to anybody. Um, uh, I'm kind of a dick, but everyone's got better benefits. So I did my job. That could be responsibility and that's important. And I think people like better benefits. Um, but I think you're talking about a different responsibility. Yeah. About the voluntary part our brains work differently when we address a challenge voluntarily. So we're on the defensive, we're in sympathetic tone, fight or flight, when the snake comes after us or the dragon comes after us. And maybe the snake is your boss or your coworker or something like that. But if you address things voluntarily, you have more parasympathetic tone, you have more creativity, you have more options, and you've got more cognitive power. So when you go after something, an employee that's got a difficult situation, and you do that not reactively, but voluntarily, it's necessarily going to work out better. And look, we're the biggest reason all of us are disappointed in life in general is because we're really disappointed in ourselves. We all know things that we could do better, that we don't do, that we choose not to do. And if we start to do some of them, we feel better about life in general. We feel better about ourselves. So taking that voluntary step is part of what unlocks that happiness being able to visit you. 
And then in terms of responsibility, there's no meaning in not taking responsibility. And what types of responsibility? Obviously, it's not healthy for anybody for me to take responsibility for your project that you're assigned to do and you're the best person to do it. But if I take responsibility for being a resource to you, helping you, giving you honest and valuable feedback, being there when you need it, and you know maybe there's some guidance in there where you walk by their office or their desk and say, hey, can we talk about this? Because I don't see the logic in what you're doing here. And maybe I can help. And maybe I'm wrong. But since I'm your boss, like, let's just give this five minutes. That kind of responsibility is the type of responsibility I'm talking about. Yeah. And Dave, you know, going back to your first point, I think you can really change the happiness, unhappiness arc. Um, you know, I think a lot of that unhappiness is, like you said, the the person we are currently compared to the, the best version of ourselves that we've experienced, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that often comes with making difficult decisions, right? Getting up early, having you know one less cheeseburger, whatever that might look like. Um, yeah, and, and and I think there's a tremendous amount of power in that, and I think, you know, I think that's a really a really good point. Yeah, you talk about that that gap between expectation and reality um, sometimes can be very frustrating, right? Um, and so when we talk about, you know, setting goals and having a direction, you know, it's okay to have expectations, but I think it's just important to be connected to where your reality is too and, and just try to, you know, get that gap as small as you can. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the ultimate equation in life for a lot of people is like, how can I shrink expectation and reality and get them closer and closer each day and and i think the closer they are the the close the people that are that have them the closest are the happiest in my opinion yeah i i agree with that and part of it is well modifying both ends of it maybe your expectation is out of whack once i get the company car you know then i'm going to start being happy for whatever reason right and then it's also i don't do i really need to eat three cheeseburgers for lunch you right. know, Sean's example. And, you know, it's, it's, sort of a, it's sort of a philosophical point to say you're not going to be happy if you don't do something worthwhile in life. And that worthwhile is almost self-defined. Well, obviously mm-hmm. there's limits, you know, hard limits. Like I don't think that you can argue that abuse or murder is a worthwhile pursuit. But when you make, we all have lists, or we should, when you make your list, there, there almost should be two columns. One column is connected to the spreadsheet, the deadline, getting the, the layout to Google at the right time, to post it at the right time. And then the other piece is, how can I, how can I help somebody? Look at the people on my team. What do they, what do they need? What can I do that will make their job easier, make their life better, make the team work better? And, you know, you guys talk a lot about having intention when you touch the door to walk into work. And I almost feel like that's got to be part of the attention, the intention. I, I do want to get that Google AdWord thing sorted. But I also want to find out it seems like this person's been a little bit off and maybe I can help. 
let me figure out how to talk to him or her. And both those things sort of have to happen in parallel. And the, you know, the beauty of it is maybe you go talk to that person first, then they're capable of sorting the Google AdWords mess up. Instead of walking in, waving your hand, saying, this, this is a priority, this needs to be done, and we don't have time to talk about anything else. That just almost never works. David, you talk about writing things down in two columns. Like if you were to write down everything from your accomplishments, your bonuses, your, you know, this, you know, all, all, those, all those things. And then in the other column you wrote down, um, you know, I helped this guy get promoted. I helped this lady, um, you know, become CEO. I helped this person, right? And if you looked at that list, one is going to clearly be things that are associated with happiness. The other ones will probably be largely, there'll be a sense of accomplishment, but I don't know that happiness would be tethered to it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it would become, start to become crystal clear. I mean, one of the things that I guess made me happy, you know, happy, but very satisfied has nothing to do with money in leadership. I had, I had two employees that just wanted to stab each other's eyes out with steak knives. And it got to the point where the executive committee was saying, we need to fire one or both of them. Like, this just can't go on. And over a couple of months, I worked with them, and they started to get along. Some misunderstanding, and they're not on each other's Christmas cards list. You know, there's no question about that. But their two departments needed to work together. And my God, I think about that all the time. Yes, there have been some financial events or, you know, getting the big sale or showing up for something. Those things are also good, but they're not exactly happiness, satisfaction. They don't have a, they don't have a tremendous amount of meaning to them. Well, and again, no meaning, no happiness, right? Again, mm -hmm. you wrap, wrap purpose, meaning, uh, all fulfillment, all that stuff. All those are precursors <laughs> to happiness. The last thing I want to add to this is the, it's very difficult to describe the sense of responsibility, to really define that. And it's a fair question to be listening to this and saying, well, I know I'm responsible for the report or the department's performance or the big sale or something like that, but how do I figure out what I'm responsible for in that other part of the list? And the best thing I can come up with right now is you, you kind of know. You really do kind of know. And so if you, if you take a step back from those technical parts of the business and look at the people, you have a story in your head about what's going on. And you really do, as a leader, you have a responsibility to, to figure out what you can do that would be helpful. I know somebody who went in on the weekend for a new hire to set up the new hire's desk. Flowers, some treats, a little welcome sign. And she didn't have to do that. But that was something that she could do. Having interviewed the woman and, and offered her the job, she thought that would be really good for her. And it has turned out to be an excellent thing. That doesn't mean that all leaders are responsible for decorating the desks of everybody that works for them. But 
that was something that she was able to pick up and say, you know what, I think this is a good, I think this is the right move here. And so if you're listening to this and you're in a leadership position, that little thought that goes in the back of your head, like, huh, maybe he's struggling, maybe he needs something, maybe I'm not seeing this right, that's where you start. That is the responsibility that you pick up You're not responsible for making their marriage work out. You're not responsible for raising their kid. But you are responsible to figure out how you can make their situation better to the extent that you're capable of. I'm in 100% agreement with that. Yeah, same here. It's it's generally a a smaller lift than we make it out to be in our heads. It's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, it's, um, it's starting small. It's connecting with the obvious person that I just kind of, you know, you, 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 it, you're observant, you see things, you hear things, you know, and it's just, it's up to taking the time to address it. A, because it's your responsibility. B, because, you know, that person needs it. You know, they need guidance. Leadership is about serving and empowering people. Um, and then, you know, the last thing would be just because it, it does actually tru- truly matter. Right? I mean, it does create that sense of connection and meaning in the work that we do. And, and without that, those connections, those conversations, um, it's just a sterile work hub that we come to to accomplish a task. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, if that's all we're going to do is just accomplish a task, uh, people are willing to uh, maybe make less to go do something somewhere where there is some sort of connection. And so, you know, we talk about like retaining top talent, um, building, you know, longevity and sustainability. I mean, these things matter. Sean, do you have any parting thoughts for the crowd? Words of wisdom, technical bits? Don't be so intently focused on the goal that you miss all the great things along the way. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. Fair enough. Mike? (sighs) Just back to the start for me. Um, you're not always going to be able to control the outcome, but you can show control how you show up each day. Um, the the work you put in, how you put it in, uh, the way you approach your people, um, those are going to be the things that you look back on most. You know, it's all about the journey, not the destination. My parting thought is, as a leader, you probably have a very good idea of how you can help and what to do. Start there and do it. That closes the third half of this episode. And it seems like we're around the bend for the episode in total. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate you listening. And until next week, thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you all.